Welcome to Into the Filmverse, a movie fan podcast where we talk about all things movies. I'm Mitch Chandler. And I'm Bryce Payne. And today we are talking about a 1973 French animated film called Fantastic Planet and talking about our thoughts on Marvel um, in general. So um, we're going to jump into here and talk about um, Fantastic Planet. Um, I'm going to throw over to you, Bryce, um, so we can just give a little bit more about what this film is about. Cool. So this is a 1973 hand-drawn animated film that follows the group of drags drags it depends on your version french spelled drags but it's mm-hmm. drags and their small little pest species names ohms the ohms are basically humans us human human people mm-hmm. who are used as pets by the drags weird the drags are incredibly scientific way more advanced than us and view us as vermin yeah that was one of the first things that I, when i saw in this film that Basically, they treated they treated um, humans very similar to ants or like miniature dolls. It's interesting though because it starts off with our main boy being mm-hmm. a baby, being carried by his mother, and basically getting tortured by homes or mm-hmm. by drags. They're being tortured by the drags, and they kill the mother. So if you look at if you look at a poster of, of or I mean I guess if you look at this film at all the drags are or how do you pronounce the name um, are going to be the giant blue creatures with the red eyes that look vaguely human but also kind of fish like and also like yeah exactly alien fish like weird looking um, honestly I'll use that word a lot when I'm talking about this film weird because that's what it is <laughs> it's weird. Um, but it actually has an interesting story. Once you get past like the first ten minutes or so, and get past the weirdness of you know humans being called ohms and being these little tiny um, creatures that are controlled by, or you know, you know, taken advantage of and controlled by these giant creatures, um, and then also just like the lore behind the creatures, you start to get into this like sci-fi battle for humanity. Kind of interesting, right? Yeah, and it gets really interesting. So so the movie has Tiwa, who is the daughter of this kind of master guy. It's like noble, noble drog. Yeah. And she takes the baby after his mother dies and decides she wants to keep it as a pet. Now, something you need to keep in mind is the Ohm's a week in the Trag's life is a year in the Ohm's life. Yeah, so time passes much faster for us humans, Ohm's, than it does for the Drags. Drags, yeah. And so you see Tiwa take care of the baby, who she names Ter. And she is doing her best, honestly, to try to take care of it. She views it more as like a toy than anything else. Mm-hmm. But she's very protective of them. Like there's a scene near the beginning where they have these other drags who are using their humans to fight each other, like the arms to fight. And kind of like a fight club type thing. They put them in the hill and they just try to duke it out. And they want her, Ter, to fight. And she's like, nah, I'm good. He'll get hurt. So she actually genuinely like cares about his well-being, it mm-hmm. seems. But still views it more as like a, oh, look, he's so cute. He's a little pet. But, uh, you know, she gives him a little house. She takes care of him, bathes him, does, does all that. Meanwhile, the drags have their whole system where they have, like, this meeting block, which is kind of cool. I like this scene a lot. They're on, like, the meeting, and there's, like, a group of drags in the top, and then you see their faces on the side of the block. Yeah. And where, like, they're showing the general populace what they're talking about. But it's interesting because it's, like, the general populace have no say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like that too. I mean, at least the, like you can actually see the conversations that these world leaders have for them. That was interesting. And then they talk about de-omenizing, where they basically like go through and like kill all the wild ohms. Cause, it like, is genocide. 
and it's kind of funny how they do that to me. It's, it shouldn't be funny, but it's funny because they're just like, they feel like, oh, we do whatever with three cycles. And they're like, well, they reproduce too fast to do every three. We need to do it more. Yeah. It's basically, <laughs> so basically, yeah, the whole concept is these aliens are seeing that humans are reproducing too fast and that in wild number, you know, being wild homes are humans, that they actually pose a threat to the aliens. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, rabbits. They multiply so fast like rabbits. Exactly. But uh, while this is happening, we see Tear get taken care of by Tiba. And there's multiple things that happen is uh, Tear has a collar that she can control to, like, drag him back to her whenever he tries to get away. Mm-hmm. And so there's, like, a malfunction in the collar. So she has this learning device where she puts it on her hand and it's, like, telepathically tells her, like, teaches her. And his device picks up that learning wave, so he is actually getting more intelligent as she's getting intelligent. So it's very interesting to see him kind of learn their culture and learn their language and learn how to read, learn how to their their style of stuff, making him incredibly smart compared to the other homes. Right. And so you see a point where it gets to they're just like, yo, you need to like get rid of him. Like he get he gets too. They, they decided that he doesn't need to be there. So he's like, you know, I can't really learn much anymore about being here, so I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. And so he takes the collar and he leaves. He runs into a group of wild ohms who kind of think he's weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's dressed in, like, this outfit that she put him in, and he's got these big weird feet, and he looks very off-putting. And then you see the the ohms with all their kind of, like, caveman type stuff. Right. But he becomes a, I don't want to call it, like a leader where he uses the collar to start teaching the wild ohms how to be smarter. Right. Kind of a message of, like, you know, we can learn and be become better. Mm-hmm. And so we start seeing the the ohms start to kind of rebel against the tracks. Yeah, no, 100%. And then I know that pretty much, you know, shortly after that, it's a, it's a matter of, like, some ohms believe that, you know, they want to learn from the, from that device and the other ones don't want to learn from the device. And yeah, because so, they, they think it's like trap or something. They, yeah, exactly. They're like, we don't need them. And the guy's just like, but like, we can learn to read. Like, don't don't open that box. It's a bad box. And then they open it and they die. And he's like, see, I told you. Like, this is why it's important. Um, I think we also got to talk about, too, how the there's this setup from the very beginning of the drag or the aliens have this meditation thing that they do. Where they meditate and their consciousness gets started, put into this ball that floats in the air and so it starts floating somewhere. No, we don't really find out to the end of what it is. It's like their their minds get put somewhere else. Exactly, um, and so we're not really sure what the purpose of that is um, until really that you realize the humans find out what the purpose of that is at the end and they use that to their advantage to, to take over the drags. Well, not not take over, live in live in unity. They decide they give another planet to the homes. That's true. But there, so before we get to there, there is these. They, they start talking about how they need to extinct the homes. There's too many. So we get the scene where like the homes actually kill a track. Like they come together and they attack it and they take it down. Like I'm surprised. Web. And then that begins a whole cycle of the track being like, "Yo, we need to kill them because they're actually able to kill us now." I was surprised. Well, I think that was only like a teenager um, was able to take down. Yes. It didn't seem like it was a full adult, but still, they don't know that, probably. And so they start, they decide like, hey, we need to escape this planet because they're trying to destroy us. So you get the ohm start to develop rockets Mm -hmm. and they leave. They they take the rockets, they fly into space and they go to this, I can't remember what they called it. I think it's 
the the to the fantastic planet the title planet the fantastic planet mm-hmm. and they get there and they find these statues they're just marble statues but that's where the consciousness goes when they do the meditation so they kill with like other beings from other planets and they dance yeah quote, quote unquote dance quote unquote dance i thought it was i saw it was coitus <laughs> but but uh so it's kind of interesting that they figure out that those statues they can use to destroy the tracks and then they find a way to live in harmony because the drags are like yo so these guys could actually destroy our civilization because it takes too long for them to reproduce and their lifespans are so long that the drags could just destroy them right they're not drags the ohms they're so the words get confused but they almost could destroy their whole civilization if they don't get along so they create like a second planet for the ohms to live on yep yeah exactly so i mean i guess yeah at the end of it it all works out for everybody but also i just saw it as like a the, the humans at Ohms were just like rising up and creating a, a, a stance against these aliens that they ended up defeating. So now that we've talked about the whole movie, like the whole plot, that's it. That's the whole movie. It's it's like 67 minutes long. It's short. Mm-hmm. But um, what would you say that they're trying to, the message they're trying to convey? Because um, I, 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 my grandma, I watched this with my grandma. It was not the best movie to watch with my grandma. But uh, she asked me that question. I was like, you know, I really don't know. Yeah, I was thinking it's going to So I looked it up, and apparently a lot of people think it's an allegory about animal rights and human rights along with racism. I was, I was going to say something about, like, yeah, humans treating, like, lesser beings horribly. I mean, that's kind of the only thing you think of. And it becomes kind of a the, – the one person said that it is a theory of, how well, how do you like it? Yeah. Kind of like you see the humans getting crushed by these superior beings, and they're like, "Well, now how do you feel? If there's a bigger fish than you, how do you feel now?" Yeah, I mean that's exactly the exactly. No, I I definitely see that um, angle from that. What I what I think about the film, um, is in general, I mean just in general, is that I know that hand on animation we watched Wolf Walkers, um, which is an episode you can actually listen to now, um, was. That I, you know, it didn't work for me that, that well, the hand drawn animation. But this one, I think it lent the story very well. So, if I remember, it hasn't been a long while since I've done a lot of research into this film. If I remember, this is one of the first hand drawn animated films. Oh, wow. Like, for not, not first hand drawn, like, ever, because obviously you had, like, Disney doing their hand drawn cell animations, things like that. But this style of animation, this was, like, a first for French, for France people. Yeah. And so it was kind of like an interesting little experiment that kind of got more popular as the years have gone by. Wow. Even getting to the point where it is in the Criterion Collection, which is where I watched it for the first time. Yeah, like I said, I think this was definitely a, w- a weird film, but it was still engaging. And I, by the end of it, I was actually I actually ended up enjoying it. Funny enough, it is actually based on a book from 1957. Called Ohms and Siri. Ohms and Siri. Or Ohms Linked Together. I just like that. Um, I really, I just really liked seeing the humans as lesser than and having to fight up to this this really giant, almost unstoppable force. I, I think it definitely made it more entertaining to watch. Now, this is just a sidebar. What did you think of all the like nudity that was just blatantly here? I thought it was hilarious. I mean, I, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> honestly, at first I was like, "Oh, they're really doing that," and then yeah, I mean, then every time there was like just nipples everywhere. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was surprised. I honestly forgot because I I loved this movie when I watched it the first time. I thought it was a I thought it was fantastic. Fantastic <laughs> man. But uh, watching this again and sitting there, knowing my seventy six year old grandmother was watching it, and then I was just sitting there, I was like, oh, and she was like, Bryce, and I was like, I don't know, it's weird. I don't know what to tell you. Like, there was a scene <laughs> where like I think like all the women, all the ohms like got together, and all the women like just took all their clothes and ran, and then all the guys started chasing them, and I was like, okay. <laughs> That's what we're doing right now. And then I think as soon as it happened, I don't know if it faded or if that was when the they started the deoming, the dehum, you know, they started like a lot of this imagery is super like like ex, um not exploratory, but like just very different. Like there there are some a few scenes when like you would focus on the aliens or the the drag and it was just weird like the, there was one scene where they're just shifting shapes into like a wall and colors <laughs> and and like things you know that just you just had like all different types of shapes and and um like organic life just like that looked weird and it was just a lot of like different uh imaginative animation animation a lot of that seemed very art. unnecessary at times too mm-hmm. like it was just like randomly like in the background you would just have like this bird the creature just like attacking something and you're just like why like why was this so important to put in like it's cool to watch it feels so weird to watch it though. Like, it almost makes it feel like a like a um, survival survival movie, like a survival on a certain like on an obscure planet. No, no. Funny enough, speaking of weird imagery, I saw a review where somebody gave this like a really bad review. Not not on Letterboxd. Something was like I can't remember where I was. I was mm-hmm. reading about it while I was watching the movie because I was trying to figure out like the allegory and stuff. This guy was like. Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe it'd just be a good movie if you watch if you're just like blazed out or something. Like, <laughs> basically, like you need drugs to appreciate it. And I was like, I don't think that's true. No, I mean, there's like definitely films that like that lend themselves better to that, or just you know, <laughs> don't do, don't do drugs, kids. Um, but I say that um, this one, it just yeah, no, it actually just lends itself as its own as its own film. I think maybe the not having a language barrier there with just reading the subtitles i might have that problem no i don't, I don't necessarily <laughs> there's a problem i'm saying for some people it might be i don't have a problem but i just laugh because i was so i watched it the first time in oh French, right and this time around i was i had my criterion disc and i was like there's an english dubbing i'm gonna watch the english dubbing <laughs> but i honestly think the french version is the way to go because there's like i had subtitles on and i was just like i feel like i'm missing so much of this movie because there'd be there'd be subtitles going but no one would be talking and i'd just be like so am I just supposed to guess that that's mm-hmm. happening? Like, what if you don't have subtitles on? You wouldn't know half the stuff that's happening in the movie because it, they're not talking. Weird. Yeah. It, it's definitely one of those more unique animated films, I feel. Yeah, I mean, too. I definitely and think so. one of, like, three or four that are in the Criterion Collection. I definitely would watch it just to get, like, a cool breadth in, in, into another um, culture. You know, I guess not culture, but just not American animation a little little glimpse into it and how different things are and it's only an hour 10 12 minutes or so so it's not really not that long to watch i know i was i actually forgot it was that short and then when i we were like planning when to watch it and i was like well at least it's only like an hour long (laughs) exactly it's a nice little spurt like just sit down spend an hour watching it like all right yeah that's kind of cool well have you seen fantastic planet do you plan on watching it um or you know have you do you never plan on watching it i don't know just give me your thoughts on this film I can't wait to talk to you guys about it there. Honestly, it's an hour long. I can't, I just watch it just for the visuals. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> you can just turn it on silent, keep it in the background, just keep looking over once in a while. Just, yeah, whoa, what's that? What is whoa. that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of how, like, have you ever been, you know, Meow Wolf? I don't know if you guys ever heard that or been there. It's a art exhibit that's yeah. in, like, New Mexico, Denver, Colorado, and Las Vegas. Yeah, there's a bunch. I think that, they, yeah, there's a few of them across the state. But if you've ever been to Meow Wolf, it definitely has that vibe to it. The strangeness of the world. Yeah, it's just all very strange, but. Awesome. Well, I'd love to hear what you guys think. Um, and now we're going to talk about Marvel. I know, super basic, but we wanted to, see, we wanted to, to kind of just talk about um, our thoughts on the franchise, um, where, where, you know, where, we, where we, our initial thoughts on Marvel came from, our thoughts now, um, exploring kind of just anything like that. So, um, Bryce, I'm going to ha- start with you. Um, let me just, I guess we'll just talk about just um, your introduction to marvel and um i guess we'll kind of go from there so i came to the marvel game late i'm sure we've talked about this before mm-hmm. um I, I i was not in the marvel until 2016 okay which is blast me for a lot of long time marvel fans because they're just like what but i did not really watch any marvel films until civil war and the only reason i watched Jeez. civil war is because spider-man wow because <laughs> i saw the trailer where he flips in on the car and he's like hey guys mm-hmm. and i was like spider-man i love spider-man Spider- but uh, so I did. I was very late, and even after Civil War, I didn't even watch Doctor Strange in theaters. Like I had no interest. Wow. But I after that I started my project of trying to watch them all, and I grew to love it. And then obviously, 2017, 2018, 2019, biggest years of Marvel. Phase three was insane. One time I, to come on too. And I be I was like I love this because it was like it felt like a huge community. Like it felt like a milestone events. Like, oh, my God, new Marvel movie. And everybody be like, oh, my God, Marvel. <laughs> Which I feel has since subsided a little bit ever since Endgame came out. I feel like the community has kind of died down a bit. But it's honestly a shame to see because they used to be the most hyped releases. Mm-hmm. I used to request days off from work. Like, I, I used to be like, I can't work that. I can't work Friday. I do for I'm, certain I'm going, to, I'm going to the premiere of this movie, and I'm not waking up at 6 I did that to you. Like, it was such a huge thing that I, I would go out of my way to make sure I had that time to go watch it. Because it felt like a huge event. Yeah. And after Endgame, post, post-Endgame, I feel like that's kind of subsided a little bit. Now now it's like, oh, yay, Marvel. Because it just it, it just doesn't feel the same anymore. Yeah, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to go into our post, I guess, Endgame thoughts. Um, I'll just take a little bit, just a second. Um, yeah, I started out 2008 was Iron Man. Um, very much, I mean, even before that, X-Men. I mean, oh, I loved, I loved X-Men, Spider-Man. Like uh, those were yeah. the pil- pillar, but MCU was very, very late because I kind of got out of the whole, yay superheroes. Because I was just like, because <laughs> yeah. uh, it was like you got things where it was X Men was good, yeah, Spider Man was good, I loved Blade, but then you would get things like Ghost Rider mm-hmm. and True. Daredevil and Elektra, and then it was like such a hit and miss and messy kind of system that was just like I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I would say I definitely was there for Avengers and I was there for Iron Man and Thor. Like I, I vividly remember all those films, but at the same time, like I don't think my really conscious like appreciation of these films started until Age of Ultron. Um, mostly because I think for Age of Ultron, I was I was at like this uh, movie party they had in our at our local theater. And it was like super cool. They were giving out like prizes, and it made it like a soup, like an event, like a real event. Um, it was really cool. Don't you miss when movies used to do that thing? Like we've been to a couple early screenings where they do kind of like that similar thing, but it's still kind of like it's kind of 
Yeah, exactly. Um, no, you're. I do miss. I do miss that a lot, actually. Um, Back when people cared about movies, exactly just churning it out. Like, all right, yeah, go watch it. Go watch it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I've just been following Marvel. I mean, just the entire time, pretty much. Um, and I just love the franchise. But even bef- before that, you know, reading comics or watching Marvel content outside of that, it's just always been a thing for me. Um, so I've been, you know, obviously super in super stoked for pretty much everything they have coming out um and then like i said yeah then endgame happened we've reached the pinnacle reached the pinnacle of really what cinema um can do in general as far as like creating a narrative between because yeah, the endgame was insane yeah 23 films in here's this big event it made i think like a billion dollars in a two billion oh right like no i did it really fast yeah exactly like it, it is a is amazing i remember like people selling their ticket stubs on ebay to opening night yeah. for like crazy amount of money just, so people, just so people would buy it to be like look i have one because it was an event milestone yeah it was like that one was like super hard to get tickets for and i remember like ticket size crashing i think too. dude i remember getting tickets for that and i remember just like sitting there and just like get him now. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i mean then that leads us into kind of a modern or i guess yeah we'll, i guess we'll go post-modern you know post end game um and really now we're looking at the disney plus tv shows that have started coming out and we're looking at really the weak phase four that they've had extremely weak like i remember so obviously phase four was postponed it's supposed to happen in like 20 20 right that black widow but between endgame and black widow we had new mutants which was a movie uh, i still think i gave it four and a half stars just because i was like i love it but true I but we watched it since but it was definitely just like okay here we go they they threw that at us it was just disney's way of being like get rid of it but right black widow came out and i remember the i don't want to call it like a hush came over the land like when it was finally happening People were like, it's so excited for a new Marvel property, but also we had gone so long without a new Marvel property since Far From Home. So that when it finally came out, people were kind of like hesitant. It was, it was a very yeah. somber event. It was, it was two things. One, we okay, it was it was like a couple of three things. Yeah, one, it's, it had been a minute because of COVID and everything just since Black Widow came out. Second thing, it's Black Widow. Uh, we A character we saw die. So like people are like, well, why do we care? Yeah, and then on the third thing is this character should have had a movie, you know. Honestly, Black Widow should have happened in between, like where Captain Marvel came out is where Black Widow should yeah. have come out. Well, also, and that was another thing that I should, I should say. This film took place before Endgame, so it took place pre Infinity War. Yeah, pre Infinity War. So it's like we're watching this film, this this prequel film. You know, Endgame happened. We had this this you know crazy cool time, and then the next thing they put out out a after that is a prequel. It's, it's, it's like it's kind of it's a strange placement. It was I like th- I still think like because obviously we had Ant Man and the Wasp come out in between Infinity War and Endgame. They should have. I know why that's an important part of the puzzle. But it feels almost like they should have put in a third. Like Black Widow should have been put in with Captain Marvel and Ant Man. Yes, we would have had to wait longer for Endgame. But I think it would have placed Black Widow higher on a lot of people's list because then you would have had a movie where you got to see more of her, do her superhero stuff, see more of her background, her story, and then get her sacrifice in Endgame. Right. I agree. But, you know, it, it didn't work out that way, and it's a shame because it kind of felt like Black Widow came out, people were very disappointed. I think I still ended up enjoying Black Widow. Really, they do like that film. But then after Black Widow, what, what, we had a couple of Disney Plus shows come out, and everybody was still, those were still like, eh, for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this entire, I mean, 
phase four has been kind of meh for everyone. I, I mean, for me personally, like I said, I've really, I've enjoyed everything they've put out, maybe besides Eternals. I I would say I enjoyed mostly everything. I think they definitely had their hits and they had their misses, more so misses than hits. But I, I still viewed it as like we're seeing a fallout. We're seeing we're seeing the results of Endgame. You know, I take, think take over the MCU, and we're seeing these characters deal with trauma and grief, and you know, it's not it's not that bombastic action series we grew to love. I think we're looking at we're seeing different different side of the coin. Right. No, I definitely think that that's part of it. I think that there's really two reasons that there's been a um, I wouldn't, what do you call it? I wouldn't fallout or just been a meandering up until this point. I think. I mean, we I guess COVID aside, like we can we can you know obviously we can always just keep blaming COVID. Yeah, it's it's all COVID. But I think <laughs> there's two main reasons. One is the fact that I think Kevin they've well they've put started putting more um, content out, out out there, right? They're putting like triple the amount of content that do, they did do you before. Think it is too much content. Um, I um yes, from the perspective of that, I don't think I think that Kevin Feige was controlling a lot of it and was putting his his touch and making sure that everything was quality. And the fact that um, they're putting out more means he can't be as involved in every single project, which means the quality is suffering a little bit. I think something that also is every week almost there was Marvel stuff. Like you said, like there was the Star Wars weeks where like Star Wars content would come out. Right. They weren't weren't doing it like Obi-Wan. But it felt like most of the time it was like every week at the beginning of 2022, at least for most of 2022, it was like here's Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. Then you can have a drastic effect on your audience. By overdoing well, here's the, the thing: if all the content is good, it, you know people really won't care. People won't care, but still, you got you got to think. And this is something where we discussed before the shows came out. If you have an over amount of content that is so necessary for the overarching theme of yeah. the movies, or like it goes in the movies where you have to watch the content on the shows to understand what's happening in the movies, how many people are actually watching the shows that are going to also watch the movies? Right. The average viewer is not watching. Eight hours of Loki, ten hours of you know th- no. that's not happening. And then you get things like Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness, where suddenly Scarlet Witch is the villain, and people that didn't see WandaVision might not understand completely why she's doing what she's doing because suddenly she has kids. You haven't seen the show, you wouldn't know that. That's a good point. And something I almost, I almost didn't watch the shows. I almost chose not to. Just for that reason? Just to see how it would affect the movie watching experiment. It's hard not to because since we're such fans of these things. It is because it's one of those things where I know people are going to be talking about it, so I want to be involved in it. But it's just also like, if I don't watch WandaVision, how would that affect my experience watching Doctor Strange? And I wanted that, but I was also like, I can't do it. I also think it's a matter of that they're, yeah, so that they're making more projects that he can't be as involved in them. And B, we're looking, we're creating a bunch of projects like, 10 times more than what they would have started with originally. I think. And they're not really focusing on those characters that they create. That makes sense. It's like in Iron Man, you had, I mean, like if if we go back to phase one, right? You had Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, I think Avengers, right? Or like it was Um, very similar. It was Incredible Hulk too. Right. Exactly. Like you had each of these characters and then, and then what happens? Then they go and join the film. Then, um, well, Iron Man two was also there. So Iron Man had two Avengers in phase one. Yeah, but I'm saying like you're you're focusing on oh yeah it's actually exactly you have Iron Man Iron Man two Captain America right and then you know as you go throughout the MCU you're very focused on these singular characters and when they when they do add in other characters they're immediately incorporated into the next project next and, project um, or two the team ups always feel very well done too because you have the, all these 
experience with these characters. Yeah. Meanwhile, you get to phase four. Suddenly, we have Shang Chi. Well, where's Shang Chi been since this movie? That's what I'm saying. That's my issue with these with with uh, the newer stuff is that they're introducing so many characters and ideas and, and and things, and then not incorporating that back into the MCU. Meanwhile, we have things like uh, Yelena was in Black Widow, right? And then she showed up in Hawkeye. Cool, I like that. That that's awesome. Cool. But then you have characters where they're headlining a film, Shang Chi. Right. Wong's in that film. Shang Chi isn't mentioned in the next Wong outing. Mm-mm. There's no it, it. There's very thin connective layers where like abominations in Shang Chi, Wong is in Shang Chi. Wong takes Shang Chi from the end of his movie. Then you get into She Hulk, abominations there. Wong's there. No Shang Chi mention. And it's not. It's not that we need that mentioning. No. It's this little things like that was why the MCU blew up in the first place is because they had all these connective layers where you would watch the movie. You'd be like, oh, 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 I get that. Yeah. I understand why that happened, but it didn't detriment your experiment, your experience watching the movie. Right. Well, and more so the fact that we've gotten Eternal, Shang-Chi, like, and in each of these films, there's some, some like, huge secret that's, like, kind of changing the way that the MCU works, and then they're not addressing it in other MCU films. Or, another thing, post-credit scenes. They used to be a lead up to the next outing. Mm-hmm. Used to watch it, you'd be like, "Oh my god, we're gonna go here!" Or the next character outing, I should say, because like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two ends with Adam Warlock. Now he's the villain in Volume Three, right? Or um, you know, etc. You get these little callbacks, and then post credit scene. This leads to this. This leads to this. But it wasn't like you were waiting five years, three years for that post credit scene to pay off, right? Where you get things like Eternals having the Blade post credit scene, which Blade is now in current limbo almost. <laughs> yeah, basically. So it's like you have this post-credit scene, you have this happening, where like you you tease this event, but the event's not even solidified to be happening yet. And that, really that's my issue is they have all this content they're putting out, which individually have been not bad. They've been mostly, you know, I mean, I think they've been okay, but none of them actually like still incorporate it back into this overall MCU. And it's really just like you're just they're, now they're just creating for content. It feels like they're starting to create content for content's sake, and none of this means anything beyond just being Marvel properties. Funny enough, though, and this is She Hulk kind of touched on that, where She Hulk had the whole final conversation with Kevin. Oh right, exactly. It's kind of like they they understand why the fan base is the way it is right now. Yeah, but they're really not doing anything to fix it. You know it. what I'm thinking about, and the way this kind of like plays out for me is like imagine we were reading like individual issues, like you know you had the, the, like Marvel was like here's here's a, a Thor comic, and like okay cool, like and, like and here's an Iron Man comic, and then like here's an Iron Man two comic, and then like okay, and then now these connect to connect together in Avengers, like isn't that cool? We're like oh yeah, and then now they're like <laughs> here's. 20 comics and we're going to figure out how they all connect together they're, at some point. They're like, WandaVision issue one. Oh, yeah, cool. Falcon the Winter Soldier issue one. Like, they have oh, all cool. these open threads. That- Black Widow issue one. They're like, come on, guys. Like, where, Where's the team up? There is none in this phase. What do you mean there's none? There always has a team up. <laughs> no. Okay, well, let me, let's take let's take some example. Like another example I just thought of off the top of my head. I will say, though, Far, or No Way Home came out in phase four. Mm-hmm. That was probably the highlight of it. You know, and I really think because that felt like it was its own solid thing. It felt like a phase three movie. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it felt like encompassed in its own thing. It didn't necessarily, like, yeah, you had Doctor Strange in there, but, like, it still felt like a Spider-Man film first before a Marvel film. A hundred percent. Which I, that just goes back to our whole interconnecting movies and stories. Which, I mean, I guess I'm not complaining that, that the stories aren't interconnected. I guess I'm complaining that you're... It's so thin. It's like, yeah, I mean, you're... Like we had, we had. Um, let's say, we had Miss Marvel. 
Miss Marvel leads to the Captain Marvel movie. Well, Captain Marvel movie doesn't come out till next year or this year. Does Captain Marvel come out this year? Uh, Miss Marvel comes out this year. Yeah, what? the Marvels. Yeah, it's so weird to think about. But I'm also like Moon Knight. Where's my Moon Knight season two? Where's Moon Knight gonna show up again? Right. Blade? Okay. Where's Blade well, coming? Uh, yeah, out? I mean, we don't I, know. I have three characters. Well, yeah, you're right. Moon Knight and oh, I just flipped the camera off. Um, <laughs> I flipped you guys off. Um, so you have that or like what about the um? Well, I guess I guess we did hear about her, but uh, the Madam Hydra lady. Like I know she appeared in a few she things, appeared, but like, what's her? What, just, what is she, she doing? Like, she just never showed back up. Yeah, exactly. She, or she was like connecting WandaVision. Speaking of WandaVision, and Loki, and then, White Vision. Where's oh, that yeah, dude at? It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> or like they, they introduced like the Eternals hand and how that thing's sticking up out of the Earth. Or that's actually been the funniest thing to watch on like Twitter go off about. Yeah, they're just like no one's gonna mention that, and everyone's just like shut up. And it's like. <laughs> It's important, though. Like, like, I made it, this for you. Shut up. It's little things like that where the fans, like, let's say us, who have been around for years, look at this like, you're not going to connect this anytime soon. Like, you're not going to you're not gonna wrap this up and move on to the next beat. Because then think about the next Marvel outing. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man, Quantumania. Kang the Conqueror's in that. He's, a, he's, he's literally the big villain of MCU right now. We already know that because the Kang Dynasty has been confirmed as the Avengers title of Phase 6. But now, like here he's coming, but then there's all these loose threads. Wait, all right, let me give me a second here. Now I have heard this theory, and I like it because it starts making a little bit of sense. Or I mean, it would be super cool if they did this. Kang is a multiverse yes. character. A lot. Some people there's a theory out there right now that because if the reason it feels so loose threaded right now is because some of these properties are in different universes, and that. They're actually going to collide. These like Miss Marvel might be in a different universe than She Hulk, and She Hulk might be in a different universe than some of these other stuff, and like the Moon Knight. I will say Moon Knight doesn't really have any connective tissue to anything, so I'm kind of cool with it being its own thing. But I just love the character, and I just want him to show back up. I just want him back. And that, like you know, and that, that we're gonna learn, we're gonna learn at some point that these are all different universes that these well, are happening in. Some uh, there's a comic event, Secret Wars, big event, huge, huge. Huge event. I think that's the comic I'm thinking about, yeah. where uh, they get the battle planet. Spider-Man gets his black suit at the planet, and that's where Venom. You know, all this big stuff in the comics. That's essentially where Kang's going to be heading. People like a battle planet where we're going to get multiversal things like Tony Stark, like a new Tony Stark, and all these different things from different different multiverses from this planet to kind of duke it out. Essentially, what I've heard. Given Marvel is very here's my here's my um key about everything so who actually knows here's my theory with all this i i feel like i don't think that theory is correct i think that we're all in the same universe however what i think is that what's going to happen is yeah that we're going to get this we're going to get these these films that happen right now it's going to lead up to the next avengers film you know all the the stuff that's coming out and then avengers is basically going to collapse and then the universe is going to implode on its on itself and instead of avengers and and things like that we're just we're just going to focus on the x-men after that I feel like that's the next the way, way this happens because I feel like the X Men is such its own big franchise that you can really just make the MCU about the the X Men the same way that Fox did. So beginning on the X Men part with like Disney buying Fox and having the rights to all these characters that they just get like here you go you own these now. What a chore that must be with the current state of the MCU, which is why I I you know you saying they could implode and they could get their they could be on the stable. That is such a huge event like the x-men because it's mutants and i know that spoilers from miss marvel she's confirmed that she's a mutant mm-hmm. it's such a weird thing to see them try to incorporate these characters that are such staples as marvel comics in such a 
important part for the base of Marvel Comics, and seeing them getting it so late in the game is kind of just like it's worrisome. Yeah, because you got things like Wolverine, where he's been around for hundreds of years, and then it's like, oh yeah, he was here the whole time. Yeah, obviously <laughs> we don't we don't know what they're gonna do with that yet, and that's why my theory is like, how do you incorporate that into the? Well, okay, here's my question: What even is the current MCU? Like, what does it look like? We don't have a Black Panther. I mean, eh. we have a Black Panther. Eh. It's just not. It's not. It's not. Um, it's not the same. It's not. It's not that we don't like. It's not T'Challa, right? It's just. It's different. It's a. It's a different. It's not. We could, it's, we could have a whole discussion on Black Panther alone. It could, but I, I just meant it's not T'Challa, and I, I feel like I feel like even though Wakanda Forever I think was okay and pretty decent, I just don't think that she represents the character that it's, it's we it's, need. Yeah, it's it's a messy situation. Well, regardless, with that alone. we don't. We, I mean, that's that's kind of. I mean, that's in limbo. Then you also don't have a you don't have Iron a core, Man. core Avengers. You don't have yeah, a, yeah, we don't have even, a core Avengers. Even in um, God, I can't remember what property was. They they basically were like, yeah, the Avengers are disbanded. They're no longer a thing. I feel like the Hulk isn't really a thing. I mean, he is. Uh, I don't. He, I don't know. I don't he, like it. He's there, but now he has a son. Yeah, looks, exactly. Who looks weird. Exactly. Another <laughs> thing that we're what is any of this? Like all these, they keep opening up threads and then never following up on them, which it's just so frustrating right now. However, and I know this is something we've talked about before because I. I became very disillusioned with the MCU last year. I became to the point where I was just like, I really don't care anymore. And so Mitchell had to sit down and be like, Bryce, you need to stop looking at it like the big, like they're all like this is phase four or phase five. You have to look at it like this is phase one. Yeah. You have to, you have to look at this in a different angle. And after he, you told me about that, I was like, okay, you're right. I can't compare the current state to what we saw before. Especially because like as someone who wasn't there when the ground breaking of the MCU with like Iron Man and all that who who never really cared mm. and came in solely to the game that I got to see the peak I got to be involved in the peak right. Marvel that I never had to deal with the grueling the decade like, of yeah building up so like I didn't have the I had three years I had three years of building to get to the end game compared to people who had that sounds 10, amazing <laughs> 10, 10, 10 11 years of having to wait and having to get to that ground breaking ending and so I'm impatient. I just I'm like I want it now because we were at this peak, and now I had to wait for the building and like them to slowly build up to it. And it's just it's it's hard to do. It is and honestly, in a little bit. That's actually why I've and because I feel like that's kind of like a double edged sword for Marvel right now is the interconnectivity because it's so good, but it's also it does it's also its detriment. Um, but, and I, but meanwhile, you look at things like the DCEU one where they tried to rush their big building. Oh, I was about to say, like, the DC stuff is actually why I'm looking forward to, to the DC stuff a little bit more this year. Like, the Flash or, um, or what is it? Blue, uh, Beetle. Blue Beetle or Shazam, because those are all those in their own individual stories. They're not trying to be connected to something else. It's, it's an interesting situation Marvel's in. But also, we've seen what happens when the studio tries to build their connected universe too fast. We've seen how it fails. We've seen mm. the uh, Universal tried to do it with the Universal Monster series. Oh yeah, it's horrible. Which had one movie. They had Again, the Mummy, which I, Bond, which Bond, and then they had already cast like Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man. All these other characters. They already had a cat, quote unquote, cast photo. It's a badly photoshopped photo where they try to put it like, "Here's our people in the universe," but they tried to rush it before they saw if people wanted it. Well, and, I think it's because winning cures everything, right? And I think if these Marvel films or that Universal Monster film were or even, you know, Batman versus Superman or Justice League, if any of those, if those films were were great, nobody would care. I th- and nobody would care that, you know, that's not interconnected or, you know, like, or maybe they would talk about it, but I feel like it wouldn't be as big of a deal as it is. So, so let's use this as an example. Man of Steel. Everyone regarded it as an amazing Superman movie. 
brought back the character to the big screen. Then the next movie was Batman v Superman, and they killed Superman off. Yeah, that's an issue. The, the, that, the, that is them being like, oh, crap, we got to catch up to the Avengers, so let's just pop, pop, pop. It's like, no, you should have done a I Batman movie, that you should have okay, done a I don't Cyborg movie, or you should have done a Flash movie. I don't necessarily... the Justice League, not just pop. See, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that they can go with go to a Batman versus Superman, or they can go to a Justice League. I don't think you have to start with a. You have to start writing individual films, and the reason I, I mean, I just think that if you made a good film, because I don't think Batman versus Superman was that great of a film. I know that there are people out there that think it was good. People will say it depends on the cut you watch. <laughs> um, I think that is a uh, Batman versus Superman, eh? But well, Justice League. I watched the both of them. I just thought I didn't really think well, either worked. Yeah, then you think about things where um, here's here's where we're getting off topic of Marvel, but that's okay. Yeah. But when you look at James Gunn, and this is why my favorite thing of people being like James Gunn's ruining the DCEU or James Gunn just needs to le- just needs to keep things going the way they are. What have been the highest properties in the DCEU that's not Wonder Woman? Suicide Squad, probably right. The Suicide Squad. You didn't make it funny. Well, I mean, that was actually speaking of James Gunn. If if we're talking about go, just building a team out of nowhere, you know, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Galaxy. This is why this man has so much faith with a lot of people like me, where we view it and we're like, okay, so we've seen what you've done with Guardians of the Galaxy, and you know, he's done movies like Slither, Slither. and all this. Like we've seen him do these movies. He's a good, he's a great director. He's a good story builder. Right. And seeing him do like Guardians of the Galaxy, bring these characters from a basically obscurity into the big screen household names. Then you see him do the Suicide Squad after getting fired from Marvel, which that's a whole other topic in itself. But uh, he did the Suicide Squad and he brought back this squad that everyone hated because their movie in 2016 was ass. And he made a well-loved movie. And he made a great, funny movie because he understands what comic, how comic book movies should work. Right. And then he makes Peacemaker, one of the funniest comic book shows ever made Mm -hmm. and people are giving saying like he doesn't know what he's doing like dude obviously knows what he's doing if he can bring these bring these properties back from destruction and actually we're going to be talking about that next week so if you want to hear more about our thoughts on dc then uh we're we're going to be talking about our thoughts on dc and everything next week so and it's it's hard it's almost hard to not talk about marvel dc when we're talking about marvel too so you know they're all kind of interconnected in our love for them but but it's 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 amazing that like Marvel has became has become such a staple in the industry, where we have people like Martin Scorsese saying they're not real movies, but then seeing this huge fan base, and yet they're on the top of the box office. Okay, all the time. All the <laughs> I time. would say um, this. I'll say that I think right now it's a little tumultuous, tumultuous with just how we feel about it and the projects they're putting out. But I feel like in another five years, after we get another five years on the road, I think it's gonna be we're gonna be back in shape. I think yeah, like like we said earlier, it's it's all about starting over. They have to restart from phase one basically, and build this universe back up to create that big event movie like Endgame again. And people who went through Endgame, it was like we're it's only up from here. I well, me, the- me I was I was like it's only going to go up from here. <laughs> it's it's hard for the people to have to sit there and watch it build up again. Yeah, well that's why that's why I'm saying like, what do you do after King Dynasty, right? What do you do after that, like? you go to the multiverses and like collapse the entire multiverse. Like the only thing you can do after that is what's the, uh, they had it on the, on the legend, not the legends tomorrow, the DC shows with the flash where they had like the, uh, big event where everything kind of collapsed. Yeah. Oh, the, um, crisis on infinite earth. 
That's essentially where we where where you're saying it's gonna go is where everything yeah. is gonna go. Like, oh, we have all these monsters. Oh, they're all in the same world now. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's such. You know why I love things like Blade hmm. or like the darker side of Marvel. You cannot tell me that Peter Parker wouldn't have noticed there's vampires. Like, the, the, he would not have known. There's <laughs> no way. So it's believable that there could be a whole underworld of Marvel where you have, like, the normal superhero stuff up here that we've all grown accustomed to. And then below it, you have, like, Blade doing his thing and the, um, Moon Knight doing his thing. You have all these little vigilante things. Daredevil. It's still oh, I love little Daredevil. street-level type stuff. Okay, that one I was super excited for. It has so many yes. episodes. I know. That's, that's why I like it. Yes, a full season but, of television. But you got all these little like street level things. I'll say Blade is street level, but that that feels so much more realistic than like you have Iron Man flying through the air, being like, "Oh look, there's a vampire." They wouldn't have noticed. So I like this whole little like area of Marvel where it's you have the stuff we know, and then you have the deeper level where it's the darker side where they were just like. Yeah, Peter Parker would not be involved with the vampire stuff going down. Just well, with, like he has his own things going on, Vulture, and you know, all these things. Vampires are doing their thing with Blade. Leave that's fair. No, you're right. And that's why I always loved Blade because it just felt well under the radar. It's believable to me that people would not notice that. Hundred percent. So I'm so excited for Blade because they don't need to connect to the bigger things. Blade can be doing his own thing, and yeah. it doesn't have to connect. You can be in the same world and it doesn't have to connect. I can't wait to see what they do with. Uh... I forgot what this character's name is, but um, Jon Snow. Um, Black Knight. Yeah, Black Knight. Once again, there's a tease that you heard Marshala Ali's voice, and then it's and that's so far. Kid Harrington, that's the name. But yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, well, we, we kind of, I mean, there's a whole mess behind Blade, behind, like, canceling directors and the scrapping the script. It makes me so sad. Just but that is what, that was me saying that Kevin Feige is not having a direct hand in all these films, and that's why it got that bad, is where they, we almost got a bad Blade movie for Marvel. We oh, almost no. did because they were, like, a week before going into production before they shut it down. It's got to be hard. It's got... I mean, I'm glad that they did. I, because I did hear that they're starting to think about, like, starting to, what's the word? Condense? Not condense, because that's bringing stuff tighter. They're they're trying to put air things out more. There's going to be, like, oh, we're going to spend more time between projects to try to get, like, better effects or better. Because think about, it, like, one of the biggest things I can think of against Marvel for me last year, Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. Those VFX looked rough. Like, uh, I know they were pushing for it to get nominated for Best Special Effects at the Oscars. The the whole floating head thing with, like, Heimdall's son, that just doesn't, that looks oh, yeah. terrible. That looks awful. Things like um, Wakanda Forever, where part of the reason I didn't like it as much is because it just looked so fake. Like, I just I was like, I expected Kinda more. Did. I expected more out of Marvel. It's just their, She-Hulk poked fun at it, where, like... <laughs> last episode she was like they were like we can't do more because we have another project going on they had the Wakanda Forever theme <laughs> yeah it's so like little things like that they understand why people are mad like they get it but I feel like they're gonna try to do better yeah they, I agree a whole year of them being like they, they were top dogs they were the studio everyone was like Marvel 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 and now people are like Marvel, like you know. I mean, eh. like I said, like I said, also, we're, it's also a matter of you know when you go to the peak of something, you if there's nothing, there's no more but the, the down at first. You have to go down at first, right? So I mean, I think we'll get back to there. Um, Just a slow climb back. And honestly, I've enjoyed most of the projects they put out too. So I mean, it's not like oh, I'm complaining about that, anything. There's, I just, there's only been like one or two projects where I'm like, I will never want to rewatch that. But it's not. Yeah. It, it hasn't been anything where I've been like, wow, you guys really lost your touch. It's just. 
We expect more. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, what do you guys think of Mom Marvel? Are you disappointed by anything um, that's happened? Phase 4, anything recently? Or are you excited for the future? Give us your ranking of all the Phase 4 properties. Yes, I would love to see. I'm honestly very excited. I would love to see that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm super excited for the future of Marvel and where it can go. Um, next it, week. It can only go up from here. It can only go up. <laughs> exactly. Um, next week, we're going to talk about... Um, what are we talking about next week? We're talking about Malcolm X. Malcolm X and then our thoughts on the DCU. Um, so I cannot wait to get into that. Um, wait, wait, wait for this. I'm gonna, we have a week. We have huh? a week. I'm going to rewatch all the DCU movies. <laughs> watch all the DC films? i rewatch them all. I guess I'll there's wa- not that many. Wait till I watch Justice League and then follow it up with Zack Snyder's Justice League just for the spite. <laughs> yeah. Well, Honestly, Zack Snyder's Justice League is good, though. It is good. I have, just haven't seen those in a while, so I don't know. I feel like that would give me... Be fun. I feel like I feel like we're gonna talk about DC. I should rewatch them, especially because like I need to rewatch his Amazon, so I might as well. All right, all right, guys. Well, I do appreciate um, you guys' time, and thank you for spending it with us. Um, if you want to follow us and our movie-going adventures, um, you can find the podcast at Into the Filmverse or at Into the Filmverse Podcast wherever you are listening or um, watching. And don't and, and don't forget to check out our YouTube channel for our reviews of Megan and a man called Otto. Exactly. Um, and if you want to follow me and my adventures online, you can find me uh, at Movie Mitch on Letterboxd. And Mitch, sorry. Mitch, Mitch Reviews. <laughs> at Mitch Reviews. Like, you changed I have it? too many things, man. <laughs> at Mitch Reviews on Letterboxd and um, at Mitchell Chandler anywhere else. And Mitchell is spelled M-Y-T-C-H-G-O. And you can find me on Letterboxd at Paid Reviews and on Twitter at Sanguine Films until I figure out how to change it. I've been trying to. It's oh. hard. It's hard because I want it all to be uniform, but it just somebody already took it and they haven't posted anything in like seven oh, years, and I'm just like, rude. bruh, <laughs> bruh. Awesome. Well, I do appreciate you guys' time, and until next time, Excelsior. Excelsior!